Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? I learned that from the Nancy Drew detective. Okay, go. You think you can follow the clues and solve the case of the missing condiment, Nancy Drew? Because I've read every Nancy Drew mystery ever written. Nancy, please tell me you're joking. Wow, you suck at this Nancy Drew stuff. You should get a new hobby. My name is Carson Drew, and this is my assistant, Nancy. Nancy. Nancy Drews? Hello, everyone. How are you? Oh, wait, you can't respond. I forgot. <laughs> Hopefully better than we are, having just finished Nancy's mysterious letter. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, uh, what do I even want to say about it? It was just, I found it very boring to yeah. start with. Like, the beginning was just, and middle, at what end, end, was boring. But also, <laughs> also, it was just so like not confusing, but just like what, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like what inducing, like what, ha- what if, what? I don't even know how to like clarify what I mean by that. Yeah. But I'm just so like, uh, there's like not like befuddled by by the events in the mm-hmm. book, yeah. you know. It's it's something. So I don't know if we said this is episode fifty-seven. No, we Nancy's didn't. mysterious letter. <laughs> you know it's gonna be. You know it's gonna be a good one when we start off and we can't even like we don't do our normal spiel. We're just like, well, that was interesting. <laughs> so I did read both the original and the revised. You read the revised, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't think I've hated a Nancy Drew book so much since uh, the Girl Detective series. And I'm referring just (laughs) the original I absolutely hated. Um, In comparison, the revised was very exciting. That's how boring and horrible. um, Also, Nancy does brown face, but we'll get there. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. There's quite a few differences. Uh, I mean, it's the same wow. story, but quite a few differences between the original and the revised. Just like last time, I'll wait until after we've done this summary to wow. um, give context for the original. Okay. Well, so this is a Walter Kerrig book. So that's interesting. Yes. And Harriet <laughs> right Stratemeyer Adams did the revision. And she's the right. only reason that the revision was tolerable, I think. Mm. Well, that's relatively fascinating. So. Mm-hmm. Because we really loved um, Password to Larkspur Lane, which was also a Walter Kerrig book. Yes. And I was, I had high hopes because I liked that one so much. Yeah. And this, uh, after reading this, I'm shocked that he was hired again. Because um, yeah. this was, this is number eight. And so uh, Larkspur Lane was number 10. So he, he did eight, did nine, 12? and 10 for them. Oh, just, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would say also just in general, this book um, was really just really sexist. Um, like the oh. amount of 
I'm I'm sure it's worse in the oh, original. It's so bad. I it's just so I see your face. Um but like the just the way that like women are characterized um in in this book and the way, you know, Nancy Bess and George are talked about and the whole Ned and their dates and Emerson and it's I mean, I will say it's very typified nineteen fifties um the revision because that the revised is what I read. It right. feels very true to the nineteen fifties flavor, but it's also just like this is the mystery. Like this is this is the mystery. Like why? I don't care. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. This is not exciting. This is not interesting. This is just kind of gross and like. Ugh. So the original was nineteen thirty-two. Do you know off the top mm-hmm. of your head when the revised was? Was it? Sixty-two. I don't. Fifty-two. I wanna, so I did. I made the. I did the. Um, I looked at, there was a lot of different covers for the mysterious letter. And so I made sure to write those, um, but it was revised in 68. Yeah, no, 68. Okay, 68. Is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, pretty late. Speaking of the covers, should we start there? I know. Yeah. Let's start there because there are a lot. Um, so I have the um, 68 cover and this is a Rudy Nappy cover with Nancy in the pink, uh, like, suit set or whatever that's and the best thing just, about this book is it's that so outfit. Good. <laughs> it's so good I was so excited when I saw this cover because yes it's just Nancy looks so sweet on it mm-hmm. like just I mean with even like her little you know red head like tilted eyes to the side it's very like um oh what's the word um I can't think of the word, but like sassy and like coy, just kind of coy. That's the word (laughs) coy. Yes. Thank you, Corey. Um, And yes, the pink of the suit is just fabulous. And I will say that even like they did a good job on the cover of this one with, you know, putting kind of the letters like behind her. It's very, Mm -hmm. it looks very cool. And it made me interested um you know because they like distress the look of the letters and you could see like um you know part of the message that was on one of the letters and I was like oh what could that mean you know mm-hmm. um unfortunately turned out to be not so great but you know exciting cover <laughs> good yes. job Rudy Nappy <laughs> Um, but we also have two other covers. Yes, yes I have the Bill Ooh. Gillies version here, which is Nancy, okay. I guess, standing in front of her own home with the red brick and the green door. And the mailman is giving her a letter and she's just wearing like her blue coat. <laughs> it's obviously winter, lots of snow on the ground. Um, and uh-huh. she's like looking at the letter and gasping like she's very the surprised. The face is by terrifying, it. though. The face is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it's quite um, quite a look. <laughs> No, but thank the you. Uh, the Russell Tandy one, which I don't have, is very cute. It's the scene from the football game where Nancy's wearing her big fur coat and she sees who will later, uh, you know, learn is our suspect. He's like running away from her at the football game and she's like chasing him down, basically. I'm opening it up right now. Yeah, I see that. Cool. Oh, and she's in a very 1920s fur coat. Yes. It's quite Um, a look. Yeah, quite a look. Little Emerson, like pennant flag, tenant flags, whatever you call them. I forget. Pennants, um, yeah. Yeah, pennants. That's what it is. And yeah, you can see like the football players in the distance. Very cute. I love that. Gotta 
say though, nothing nothing beats uh, Rudy Nappy for me. Oh, I, I know. I mean, there's just he does such interesting um, like perspectives with. Um, they're much more representational, you know. Mm-hmm. I just I prefer that so much more to like the scene, uh, you know, being shown on the cover. But yeah, yeah. Okay, three words. Oh my god. Male. Uh, male. And the, what a lame word to I have. And what are your three words? It's like, what could be more boring? The I'd postal service. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, can we also include jumping out of the way? Because <laughs> yeah, okay. I feel like that's just the only thing, that, the only action that happens is Nancy's jumping out of the way of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then I guess like... Emerson. Foot, football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or like or like chauvinism. Can we make yeah. chauvinism? There we go. Chauvinism. That's it. There we That's go. That's the one. There it is. <laughs> I almost want to say fur coat because they make that such a such a big deal yeah. in the original book that they're always talking about Nancy's <laughs> coat. Oh, we'll get there. She's we'll rich, there. Corey. She's wealthy. Oh, you they, have no hey, idea. They do also make a, even in the revised version, they make a big deal out of Nancy's wealth in this Yes. One, in a way yes. that they don't in others. Right. Like... Mm-hmm with the woman that comes to the door and like mm-hmm. talks to her. Yeah. That's yeah. Something. Oh yeah. Anyway. It's worse than the original. I bet. Oh yeah. I bet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's get into it, Corey. Okay. Okay. Uh, so chapter one, we start <laughs> off. Um, Nancy, Bess and George are actually driving back to Nancy's house after a visit to Redgate farm. I like is... that. I like that a lot. I did too. I was like, Oh, Hey, that sounds familiar. We just read that. Um, so that's nice. Um, there is a really horrible um, description of Bess and George that we'll have to circle back to um, at the end when we talk about, um, you know, some of the other terrible things we've noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they're driving back to Nancy's house and Nancy sees their poor elderly mailman, uh, Mr. Nixon, struggling along the sidewalk on a cold and windy November day. Um, so she pulls over and asks him if he, you know, like wants a ride to get him where he's trying to go faster. And he says, no, you know, I have to stop and deliver mail, Nancy. I have to do my job. (laughs) Um, and, but he does tell Nancy that he has uh, a letter for her from England, um, and also a certified letter for Carson. Um, Nancy's excited about the England letter because she doesn't know anyone from England. So she's like, Ooh, what could this be? Um, but he doesn't just like give her her mail then. Um, instead Nancy is like, well, when you stop by my house with the letters, you can Mm -hmm. come inside and warm up and I'll give you hot cocoa or whatever. Um, but just also like, you could have just taken your mail from whatever. (laughs) And we wouldn't have had this problem, but Alas. Um, so Nancy, Bess, and George get to Nancy's house, and Mr. Nixon, the mailman, arrives. They invite him in. They all sit down. He, you know, warms up or whatever. Um, and he, But then eventually he has to get back up and, and go back to work. Um, he goes to give Nancy her letter from his mailbag that he, he left in actually the vestibule of their home. So, like, not inside her home, but, like, basically on the porch of their home. Um, but when he goes to open his mailbag, he finds that all of the remaining mail that he needed to deliver is now missing and appears to have been stolen. 
Uh-oh. So he's obviously upset. He's worried he's going to be blamed for not keeping his mailbag with him at all times, which apparently is like the policy for him or whatever. Well, and he's about to retire and he's right. had a perfect record so far. And he's like a couple weeks from retirement and he's concerned yeah. that this is going to like affect his pension or something. I will say <laughs> with the uh, the class dynamic here, it's a lot more pronounced in the original because we get this little scene where um, Nancy is explaining to Bess and George like, oh, our, our mailman that I've known my entire our life is about to retire and George says something to the effect of why should he get to retire he's poor and Nancy's <gasps> like no postal workers get a pension and she's like oh okay I guess that works what oh I'm sorry Gia. yeah wow. yeah yeah so, so there's it's not that just Nancy it's not just Nancy who's got rich bitch syndrome oh they all do oh yeah <laughs> okay. oh yeah yeah <laughs> wow zah um, yeah, okay, so, um, of course, Nancy, Bess, and George spring into action immediately to try to find this male thief. They run outside, they split up, go in different directions, and where Nancy goes, she comes across Tommy, who is this little neighborhood boy. He's outside riding his bike. She talks to him, and Tommy tells her that he did see a man coming out of her house stuffing letters into his pockets. Um, he tells Nancy that he was wearing a yellow winter coat and he got into a yellow beat up car. Um, and Tommy even managed to get a partial license plate number. All Go right, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, they do have a very cute exchange that I think is honestly my favorite part of the whole book is just Nancy's interactions with Tommy um, because, you know, she praises him for being like a detective or whatever. And he's like, are you going to give me a detective badge? And Nancy's like, of course I'm going to give you a detective badge. It's it's very cute. Yeah. He definitely Um, looks up to her. It's really sweet. mm -hmm. Um, But so now Nancy realizes that this male thief has gotten into a car and is, you know, long gone. They're unable to follow. Nancy goes back to the house where she talks to um, Mr. Nixon um, and explains, you know, what Tommy told her. And then to everyone's shock, um, Mr. Nixon exclaims, it couldn't be. Oh, what will I do? And then he faints (laughs) onto a chair. Um. Unfortunately, this is actually not that funny because he doesn't wake up. Um, he's like passed out um, and ill. Um, and so George runs out of the house to go get a doctor. Um, and while she's gone, Hannah is also there. And she's, you know, because she is more familiar with uh, Mr. Nixon than Nancy is, obviously, because she's home um, more frequently than Nancy is. So she like interacts with him on a daily basis. Um, and so Hannah is just telling us about him ira we learn is his first name ira nixon um yeah she tells us he's a few weeks away from retirement she also explains that he's just like an old bachelor and also that he has an inheritance from his mother who like survived two husbands whatever but recently um a half brother one of his or his half brother has shown up his name's edgar he's like 30 years younger than ira um and he's now demanding like half of that inheritance um Edgar has so far refused this because the money came to him from his father to his mother, not Edgar's father to right. his mother. Um, but Edgar has been like really demanding and threatening to Ira. And even only a couple nights ago called him like a bunch of names and said like, I'll make you suffer for this. I'll ruin you. Um, so that's a little concerning. 
Um, Nancy wonders if, like, based off of, you know, Ira's really strong reaction to her describing this man that Tommy saw, um, if that is Edgar, and that's why he reacted that way. Um, so then George comes back with a doctor, and Nancy calls Chief McGinnis to, like, put an APB out for this man in the yellow coat uh, with the yellow car. Um, she also calls the postal inspector to report the mail theft, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, she ends up leaving a message for him, and then she calls Carson. Um, Carson explains to us that, yes, you know, he knew the certified letter was coming. He had spoken to one of his clients. It's from one of his clients, and it had cash in it. Um, he tried to tell the client many times never to send cash through the mail, but she's basically, like, old and stubborn and just does what she wants to do. Um, so bad news for his client. Um, so Nancy then goes to check on Mr. Mr. Nixon. And thankfully, he has regained consciousness with um, the doctor's help. Um, but the doctor wants him to go to the hospital. Um, so they call for an ambulance. Um, and while they're waiting, you know, Mr. Nixon is awake, but he's still groggy and not really kind of just he's out of it. He's having a hard time remembering things. But he does say he remembers that Nancy's letter was from somebody with three names. Nancy's like, was it maybe like a business firm of some kind, right? And he says maybe, but all he remembers is that the first name was Malmesbury. Hmm. Okay. A clue, a clue, a clue. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up going to the hospital where Nancy follows and checks in on him there. Um, and then she drops off Bess and George at their house before returning back home. Um, once she is back home, she is about to eat some lunch when the doorbell rings. Um, it's a man who introduces himself as Mr. Horace Moore, um, an investigative aide to the postal inspector. Um, (laughs) he tells Nancy that she has broken the law and is in big trouble. Mm -hmm. Nancy's like, "Uh, what? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, And this guy says that basically it's illegal to invite mail carriers into your home while they're on duty. Is this true? There's no way. I I mean, it it might be be illegal for them to come in, to go into someone's home. Right. But it's not illegal for you to invite someone into your home. There is no way. It's your property. Um, so Nancy obviously thinks this is ridiculous, you know, as we do too. And she tells him like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> um, she says, actually, you know what? I'll be in contact with my attorney, AKA dad. Thanks very much for stopping by. And she like slams the door in his face. It's excellent. Yes. <laughs> um, so that night when Carson gets home, she tells him all about it, tells him about the guy who stopped by or whatever, and he just, like, busts out laughing. <laughs> He's thinking, he also thinks it's ridiculous, clearly. Um, he says, don't worry about it. I'll talk to the postal insert, a postal inspector about it later. It's not a big deal, Nancy. So, okay, great. Guess that's not a problem. Um, <laughs> but he then has to go back to work. Apparently there was a client in an accident. I thought there were lots of things in this book too, that I thought were going to be bigger deals than they were. And we're going to tie in, in more ways than they did. Um, like this postal aid to the postal inspector guy. This is the only time we see him and all of like Carson's client stuff ties in a little bit later, but not in a super big way. But anyway, that's just bad writing and potholes. Yeah. Yeah. There will be more. Um, So he leaves and then Hannah and Nancy go to a movie um, 
which I thought was a cute little detail, but it's also just like, why? Um, <laughs> and then the next morning they like go to church. Um, and then on their way home from church, um, Nancy asks Carson if there's like any way to, you know, investigate this Malmesbury clue any further. Um, and Carson says he'll call an attorney he knows in London to see if he can help, right? See if he can track down some kind of place with three names that starts with Malmesbury. Um, so then Nancy goes to visit Ira Nixon in the hospital. Um, he says that at first he did think the reason why he passed out is because he did think that the man Nancy described was Edgar, um, because he has a camel hair coat, um, and apparently is also very handsome. I don't know. I guess Tommy must have mentioned that that wasn't in there, but maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but now he's like, sure, it wasn't because Edgar is not a male thief. He says there's no way it was him. Edgar would never steal mail. Okay, Ira, wasn't he just mm -hmm. like shouting at you and demanding money? So why wouldn't he? But right. Okay. Um. Nancy doesn't say anything about this. She still thinks it's Edgar, but um, she, she just doesn't want to, like, disturb his recovery, you know. And, and then she has to leave the hospital because visiting hours are over. Um, the next morning, so we just have, like, a lot of downtime in this book. Things just don't move very quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the next morning, Carson says um, his lawyer friend that he called thinks the letter might have been from a law firm in London named Malmesbury and Bates Jones. Um, his lawyer friend is going to ask them if they did send a letter to Nancy Drew and if they did to resend it. Um, at this point, Nancy is like too hyped up about this mystery to sit around anymore. And I'm like, why you, you know, clearly weren't that hyped up on the day that, you know, Ira was attacked. Um, you went to a movie and yeah. then went to church the next day, you know, so clearly it wasn't a big deal to you, but whatever. Now she can't sit around anymore. Um, so she decides that she's going to go talk to Ira's neighbors and see if they know anything about Edgar. Um, so she goes to his neighborhood and she runs across a couple of women on his street that tell her that Edgar actually visited Ira's house just this morning. He must not know that Ira's in the hospital. Um, also, when he visited, he let some papers that were in his car like fly out all over the place and didn't clean them up. So the women were like pissed about it because they had to pick up all the papers. Um, and Nancy kind of perks up at this and is like, oh, you know, you have these papers. Where are these papers? Um, and they like take her to the trash can where they threw them away and show her these papers. Turns out they're letters. Hmm. Um, but they seem to have been in contact with water at some point. They're, they're like mostly illegible. They're all torn up. They had fallen on the ground. You know, it's snowy outside. Um, she does find one letter that has a few discernible words. Uh, Drew, and money has been left. Interesting. So she thinks that this has to be the letter that was meant for her. So she takes it and she suggests that the woman um, who found all these letters or whatever call the postal inspector um, and tell them about it. Um, back at home, <laughs> sorry, this is funny. Back at home, she remembers that she has to go do some shopping um, because she's going to Emerson College for the weekend. Um, so she's going to go do some shopping. I, this is what, so much for being interested in this mystery. You look at this torn up letter one time and you're like, oh, shoot, I forgot. I've got to go shopping. The shopping is a good Ned. four chapters in the original. 
She has to go get a hat that matches her coat. And then we have to go to a different store to get a feather to put in the hat. Yeah. That's rough. That's rough. But, okay, so she's pulling out of her driveway to go shopping. And as she is, she notices, like, this suspicious-looking, beaten-up car down the road. When she pulls out of her driveway, that car takes off. Um, She's like, hmm, I wonder if they were watching the house. So she follows the car. Um, She gets close enough to see the license plate matches the partial license plate that um, Tommy told her. Um, So she keeps following it. Um, But the car ends up going across a rickety bridge. Nancy doesn't know if this rickety bridge is going to hold her car's weight because somehow she just knows that her car is heavier than the other car. I don't know how she has that knowledge, but she does. Um, But she tries to go across anyway. And of course, halfway across, the bridge starts to crack. Didn't we have another bridge breaking, like collapsing situation recently? I don't know recently. I feel like there was a bridge thing in, oh no. that Redgate? Um, haunted, uh, um, hidden staircase. Didn't they have a bridge? No. When they're going to investigate the railroad thing at the very start of the book, didn't they have like a car slid? Cause the car, like there was like a runaway truck down a hill, but I, for, yeah. I feel like there was a bridge somewhere mentioned as well. I'm probably thinking it. of a different book. I'm probably conflating it with something else. There might be one in Larkspur Lane actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I can't Ooh, remember. Wouldn't that be surprising? Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> oh, yeah. The thing is, these these cliffhangers that they put in this book, I have such an issue with. <laughs> They're just the worst cliffhangers that I've ever read. They were all so bad. <laughs> um, This one is not that bad, but it's still just kind of like, ugh. I don't know. I don't know why I have that reaction, but I'm just like, ugh. Mm-hmm. It's just not good. It's just not. It's not natural. That's the thing. It doesn't feel natural. It feels very forced. Something about the writing is like these are. This is not suspenseful at all. You're only putting in a cliffhanger because you you've been told that you have to put in a cliffhanger at the end of every chapter because that's the formula, and it doesn't work. So. None of it made me want to keep reading. It took me no. weeks to finish this one because I just didn't <laughs> want to pick it back up. Yeah, I have to force myself to follow a schedule and read like two chapters a day. Otherwise, oh no, <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, do you want to? Oh, yes. So the bridge starts to break, and so, of course, just in time, she starts backing up. Everything's fine. She makes it off the bridge before it actually collapses. Um, so on her b- way back into town, she figures she might as well stop by the police station and tell Chief McGinnis what happens. And she also mentions that she spotted Edgar. Um, and he says, okay, I'll send people out to follow that lead and see if they can find him. Um, then she decides to visit Ira. He got home. Um, he got sent home from the hospital that day. So she goes back to his house to visit him and sees that he's looking much better. Um, she also brings him some stew from Hannah. Hannah's very mm-hmm. nice to him in this book. Oh, yeah. I saw your note on there of, like, shipping <laughs> shipping Ira and yes. Hannah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she seemed to send him a lot of food. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. That's She's true. She's very concerned about him all the time and always asking Nancy to go check in on him. And she checks in on him. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, you're just being neighborly, huh, Hannah? Hmm. Uh-huh. Hmm. <laughs> I see that you looking at this old bachelor because they specifically mention that he's a bachelor. She mm-hmm. specifically mentions that he's oh, a bachelor. Oh yeah. She also mentions his inheritance, and I'm like, girl, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
I'm not against it. Yeah. Anyway, Good for you, sorry. Hannah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Nancy's talking to Ira a little bit more, and um, she gets him to show her a picture of Edgar and what he looks like. And she says, oh, yeah, um, he is pretty handsome, like you said. Could I keep this photo? And he makes a joke about her, like, having a crush on him. Um, but, yeah, he's like, sure, you could take the picture whatever. Uh, so she decides to go over to Tommy, the little boy from the, uh, her neighborhood, and shows him the picture. And he says, yes, that's definitely the man that I saw stealing the mail. Uh, so then she decides to go around different gas stations around River Heights to see if she can figure out if, like, Edgar had left town recently and had, like, stopped there to buy gas on the way out of town. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, but it works. Eventually she finds a gas station attendant who's like, yeah, that's Edgar. He's here all the time. He told me that he has a brother in town, so I guess that's why he's always, like, coming and going from River Heights. Okay. All right. Um, and he also tells us that, yes, actually, we did, or I did see him yesterday. He was headed out of town towards Emerson. How convenient. How convenient, Because Corey. Nancy, Beth, and George are planning a little trip <laughs> later this week to Emerson. Oh. Um, he also tells her, though, that he, when he was in yesterday, he overheard him making a phone call and said something about a Miss Drew. Oh, okay. So, is he talking about Nancy? Is he out to get her somehow? So, she goes back home, and Carson calls her and says, you need to come to my office immediately. There's been a development in the case. So, she does. And he shows her a letter that he's just received from Malmsbury Bates Jones. So, Nancy reads the letter, and it says that they are trying to locate a Nancy Smith Drew who's living in the U.S. um, because she has had, um, like, an uncle who has recently passed away and left her an inheritance. Um, This Mm. is not our Nancy. Nancy, we learned, does not have a middle name, um, but this is the only Nancy Drew that they were able to find a record of in the United States. So, they um, sent her the letter in hopes that she was Nancy Smith Drew. So she decides, hey, I'm going to find her for you and like um, calls them. Does she call them back in the original? She writes them a letter to say, I'm going to look for her. I think she calls them in this one and tells them. I don't think she even does. Oh, does she not? Oh, okay. No, I think Carson is in contact with them. Somewhat. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I think he just he kind of mentioned that Nancy was already investigating. So she just keeps investigating. Okay. Um, so she tries to make a few other preliminary calls to get info about where another Nancy Drew could be in the U.S., but no real progress there. Um, so she heads home for dinner. Bess and George are already there for some reason and stay to have dinner with her. And just as they're finishing dinner, the doorbell rings. So Nancy goes, gets up to answer it. And it's this woman in, a, they describe her as wearing a worn coat with stringy bleached hair. And she says, are you Nancy Drew? And Nancy says, yes. And the woman swings out to try to hit her. Oh my God. Okay. This is, first of all, this is so funny. I laughed so hard at this. Like, I busted out. It was so good. This is a great Um, scene. It really is. But also, like, it's such an unflattering description of this woman. Oh, yeah. We're supposed to dislike her. They are so, like, they make her out to be so awful. Like, and it's just, it's... Yeah, it's just pretty bad. It's definitely, but like you can definitely see the um, class undertones that oh, are yeah. happening here. They are major, mm-hmm. um, and Nancy is supposed to be like this refined young lady, um, and this woman's supposed to be like this like 
lower class, cares about money. Oh my mm-hmm. God. And um, violent and yeah, with ugly hair and a bad coat. Yeah. <laughs> and she's got this attitude about like youngins these days don't yeah. have respect for their elders like they used to. And she even in the original, it's a lot worse. It's like, ma'am, your internalized misogyny is showing because she's saying things <laughs> like, in my day, young girls did what they're supposed to do, like staying in the kitchen yeah. and not running around doing God knows what and being a whore. And <laughs> yeah, she makes a little bit of a comment about that in the revised as well. It's not that on the nose, but it's it's like, yeah you know, you know, women don't, you know, you go, you're gallivanting or whatever mm-hmm. going off, you know? Yeah. 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 And so she's just like on this rant about how the youth are so screwed up these days. And Nancy's like, all right, all right. What do you, why are you here? What do you want? <laughs> and she finally gets her to like spit out the truth here. And eventually we find out her name is Maud Skeets. Um, she's the wife of a sailor who has this sister-in-law who's really rich. And the sister-in-law oh is like, God snooty and like somehow offends mrs skeets by sending her ten dollars a month um in the mail and so (laughs) which i looked up is about a hundred dollars um for the revised text and about two hundred dollars in the original text i will say as well they didn't adjust that for inflation it's still ten dollars in the original Mm. one as well so um, but the sister-in-law was supposed to send her ten dollars in the mail and it was supposed to have arrived on the day that the mail was stolen. So she's basically accusing Nancy of having stolen the mail and is demanding that she give her her $10. Nancy flat out refuses. And the woman remarks like, oh, you're just like all the other Nancy Drews in the world cheating me out of my money. And Nancy's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold, hold on. Wait, what do you- <laughs> other Nancy Drews. Have you met other Nancy Drews in your life? And she's like, I'll tell you if you give me $10. <laughs> Hell yeah, lady. And, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, I'll think about it. Um, what's your address? If I, you know, right now it's a no, but if I change my mind, I will come see you. Uh, so the woman tells her where she lives and then she is on her way. Um, at this point, Carson calls and says that he was able to get in touch with the firm in London and learn that the inherent the inheritance that Nancy Smith drew has been left is pretty sizable. Um, and so Nancy tells him about Mrs. Skeets and about this other Nancy that she knows. Um, and he says, yeah, maybe, maybe do it. Go give her the $10 and see what she has to say to you. So she says, all right, I'll, I'll go tomorrow and ask her um, to tell me more about this other Nancy Drew. Um, but next we have to stop so that Hannah can hem our dress <laughs> that we're going to wear to the Emerson trip. And she decides that she needs to wear her pearl necklace with it that Carson had gotten her, but the class is broken on it. So she has to go to the jewelers to have her clasp fixed on her necklace. She gets there. He fixes the necklace for her and he says, Hey, how'd you like that new pen that you got? And Nancy's like, what, what new pen? And he's like, Oh, There was a man in here the other day who said that he was buying a new pen to surprise Nancy Drew. And I just assumed, oh, I'm so sorry if I ruined the surprise. Maybe he hasn't given it to you yet. And Nancy's like, hold on, what? And so she asks him to describe this other man. 
basically describes Edgar Nixon. Um, mm. So Nancy's like, why would he buy me a pen? Surely it's the other Nancy. This is really weird. Um, and then she's also, she stops to look at some cufflinks that he has in the stores, thinking about like a present for Carson. And the jeweler says, oh, Edgar bought these cufflinks when he was in here the other day. Um, and he points them out and we see that they are like red with a black star on them. So very distinguishable. Another good Another clue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So we finally head over to Mrs. Skeet's house. She is not home, but her sailor husband is. And he makes (laughs) all these awful, like, boating puns. And we have to endure. It's almost like um, salty Sea bottom. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> Bumbleton bis- Biscuit swing, Town, Bostwick. Yes. <laughs> from what is that from? Uh, crumbling wall. A crumbling wall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bumbleton Oysters. Time. <laughs> I don't know his name. Um, so yes, we, we meet the husband and we have to endure some of his boating stories and about the time that he got like kidnapped and taken on a boat and it was hilarious to him for some reason that he was kidnapped in the middle of the night. But she interrupts him mid-story and is like, do you know Nancy Drew? And he's like, oh yeah, that used to be my wife's roommate back when we lived in New York. And she's like, oh, perfect. Um, So we learn a little bit more about how she was a tenant at his wife's boarding house that they used to have. Um, But she really wanted to be an actress. And so she left to go pursue acting, but didn't have a lot of success. So eventually, um, and at that point, it was about eight years from now or eight years ago. I should say it was eight years ago um, that she decided to go to New York and oh I thought she went to England but I I might have she went to New York because okay yeah yeah yeah. Um, she moved away to New York to work as a governess for a family and they have a little bit of time or have a hard time remembering the name but eventually they settle on the name Wilson that the family's name was Wilson that she went to go work for Uh, Mrs. Skeets come home comes home at this point and reluctantly confirms her husband's story says yeah that's all true um and she says that um the family was staying at this like specific hotel for the summer but she didn't really remember any other details beyond that and has lost touch with the other nancy drew since then nancy gives her the ten dollars and then is on her way oh my god She gets back home and she calls the hotel that Mrs. Skeets had mentioned, but they're like, no, we don't remember any Wilson family that stayed here for a week eight years ago. Um, Too bad. Uh, yeah. But then she calls Ned, and they talk a little bit about their weekend plans. Uh, we learn Beth, George, and Nancy are going to meet meet him at the Chi, Omega Chi Epsilon house that Friday. Um, and she tells him all about the mystery and this other Nancy Drew. And um, he's like, that's great, um, but we're going to go see a play at a football game this weekend. Um, but also the play that we're going to go see, uh, the drama coach, they, they've they like hired this special coach and flown them in from New York. And that person's name is In Smith Drew. Hey, 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 hey. So Nancy's like, oh, OK, could this be Nancy Smith Drew? Certainly seems like it. So, you know, very exciting that I'm going to come visit you this weekend. I'll get to do more investigation. She then spends the rest of the day searching the New York phone book for the last name Wilson. Um, because she thinks, far. like, you know, yeah, maybe I can find the family that Nancy Smith Drew worked for. Um, and <laughs> would you believe <laughs> she does? 
Yep. She calls a lot of Wilsons. And she even makes a comment when she's doing it, like, oh, my goodness, the phone bill is going to be high. <laughs> um, which is just like, God, you're so rich, Nancy. You don't even bat an eye at giving a woman $100 for nothing mm-hmm. because you didn't have to. You got the information from her husband. And now you're just racking up this insanely high phone bill for, like, the smallest mm-hmm. chance that you are going to be able to find the right Wilsons. In the uh, original, she, Mrs. Skeets doesn't like say, I'll give you the information in exchange for the money. Nancy offers it to her and is like, I'm doing this to prove to you that I didn't steal it because $10 means nothing to me. And if it's that big of a deal, I'll give you $10 just to like get the suspicion off of myself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gross. Ugh. She just like. Right away, volunteers like, oh, sure, I'll give you $10. No problem. Money means nothing to me, but it clearly means a lot to you. So I'm going to hold it over your head and make me seem like the better person when really I'm being a massive dick. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. Great. Lovely. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah. So she calls and she manages to find the right Wilson family. Um, they confirm that Nancy Smith Drew did indeed work for them and is an actress now, but they haven't heard from her in over a year. Um, and when she moved, she didn't give them a forwarding address. So Nancy tells her about the inheritance that, you know, she's due. And Mrs. Wilson says that if she hears from the other Nancy, she'll let her know um, to reach out to Nancy so that she can figure out about this inheritance. Um, later in the day, Chief McGinnis calls to tell Nancy that he found Edgar Nixon's car, um, but it had been in a wreck and it was abandoned, actually a little ways away from the bridge that it went over previously. So, uh, but Edgar Nixon has not shown up at any hospitals in the area, so it doesn't seem like he was injured in this car wreck, but they're going to keep looking for him. At this point, Nancy is like in the dress that Hannah was hemming and She's like, she had just picked up the phone. And so she's like heading back into her room to have Hannah finish the dress. But then the doorbell rings. So she goes to like answer it. But the dress is too long and she trips and the dress rips. And she like almost falls down the stairs. And this is the cliffhanger that the chapter ends on. Yeah. Nancy might have to wear a different dress to the football game, you guys. To the play, whatever. She's so worried. She's like, oh my God, is Hannah going to be able to fix this massive rip? I don't know what it's ruined. There needs to be. So, you know how there's that handbook um, about writing a Nancy Drew book? Oh, um, yeah. That you found. um, The Nancy Drew Bible. Yes, the Bible. I I know that the fact that like they have to end on a cliffhanger, every chapter has to end on a cliffhanger is part of it. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be a rule in there that these cliffhangers have to be related to the mystery. Right. They, uh, or at this least exciting because this is so right, boring. Yeah. No. Oh, my God. You know, like if it's not Nancy in the midst of investigating and has run into trouble, like in some way, shape or form, let's not. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just not. It can't be Nancy trips on the hem of her dress as she's walking down the stairs. That's not allowed. You Sorry, guys, not Nancy allowed. ripped a seam. What will we do? <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, she goes to answer the door. It's Tommy. Um, he has a clue for Nancy, actually. It's a shoe that apparently fell out of Edgar's trunk the other day. Um, his friend just found it. Um, he gives it to Nancy, and Nancy gives him candy and a detective badge because she promised that she was going to give him a detective badge. I just love this so much. Um, 
Why is Tommy the hardest working detective on this case? <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Nancy's too busy trying on hats place. and dresses. And well, Tommy's and actually scouring the neighborhood. <laughs> getting her jewelry fixed. Jeez. Oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, she thanks him. He leaves. Nancy looks at the shoe, but apparently she can't determine anything about it. Um, but she decides she's going to bring it to Chief McGinnis tomorrow. Okay. So this has no relevance. No. Like nope. the shoe. It never comes back again. Never has any relevance. Tommy coming back. There, there's nothing. There's nothing there. Um, was this all just an invention so that the cliffhanger could be she trips and falls down the stairs? Yes. Okay, but she could have been going to answer the phone or anything else. I don't know why. <sighs> okay, so anyway, she goes back upstairs. Hannah is like, oh, yeah, don't worry. I can fix the dress. Great. Okay, not a problem at all. Um, then they start dinner. Carson comes home and he tells Nancy that he's had a wire from the London firm and that they are being taken off the Nancy Smith-Drew case, which oh. is odd. Um, the wire didn't say why, um, because, you know, it's like a wire and you have to pay like per word or whatever. So they they tended to be brief. So they decide that they're going to call, give them a call the next morning. When they do, the lawyers of the firm say that actually a detective agency reached out to them with a lead about the other Nancy. Um, but they won't say who the detective agency is. Nancy is suspicious about this, right? Because... You know, apparently the agency, the detective agency that reached out to the firm didn't even say how they learned about the case or, you know, how they came to call them. Um, and so Nancy has a hunch that something hinky is going on here, um, even that there might be someone pretending to be Nancy Smith Drew in order to try to claim her inheritance. Um, but of course there's nothing Nancy can really do at this point. Um, so she decides to focus her attention on the Edgar Nixon and stolen mail situation. Right. And you know, what would happen? Um, but Ira Nixon calls <laughs> immediately. <laughs> um, unfortunately he doesn't sound well though. So he asks Nancy to come over to his house Im immediately, um, which she does. Um, he explains that when she gets there, he explains that Edgar had just come by. Apparently, he also says that he had a new red car. But this time, Edgar didn't, like, hound him for his inheritance. Instead, he said he heard about the mail theft. Um, and if Ira could actually give him some money, then Edgar would hire a detective agency to look into the matter on his behalf. So Ira's like, well, okay, he's a good guy. He can't be guilty. He's trying to help me, right? Why would he offer to hire a detective agency and look into the stolen mail thing? This so that he could idiot. get money. <laughs> Come <laughs> on, Ira. Yeah. Um, of course, Nancy knows this as well, but she doesn't want to push. This is like a, a plot point throughout the whole thing. She never wants to like push Ira or bring up anything that could be like troubling to him because she doesn't want him to you know get ill again or compromise right. his recovery in any way so she doesn't say anything um but she asks if he knows where edgar is staying and he does it's a boarding house in ridgefield with a family named the hemmers so this is a weird thing nancy asks edgar if he mentioned that he had a girlfriend and ira says oh actually yes he just mentioned that he was about to marry rich which is oh, okay <laughs> yeah, I, 
Um, it's a bit odd that Nancy brings this up. I know that she has like a hunch that Edgar is scamming to get this, you know, Nancy Drew Smith money. And so I think she's thinking like that he has met Nancy Drew or something at mm-hmm. this point and whatever, um, especially because of the, the pin thing. But it's just like uh, the whole situation is odd. And with Ira being like, oh, yeah, he actually did just mention that he's going to marry. Rich. It's just the, it feels really gross. It's a really gross mm-hmm. situation. Um, Nancy also asks if Edgar has a job. Um, and Ira says that they never discussed that, but he was always dressed well and driving a car. So he assumed that he did have a job. How well do you know your half brother that you're willing to vouch for him, but you don't even know, if, don't he even know if he has a job or a girlfriend <laughs> or any, you don't know any basic details about your brother's life. But he would never steal mail, Corey. Never. <laughs> never. He's made okay. like several different uh, assertions that he's flat broke, but all of a sudden I he mean, has a brand new car. He's come into my house and he's, you know, verbally accosted me and like threatened my life, but... I don't think he'd steal mail. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants money. He's not greedy, though. Yeah, of course. I would never I would never say that he's greedy. He's got to be. A, he's my brother. Okay. Um, so at this point, Nancy's like, okay, thanks. Thanks, Ira. You know, make sure he's okay and everything. And then she goes to the police station. She tells Chief McGinnis about, like, all the new leads that Ira gave her. Um, and she gives him the shoe that Tommy found. Um, and then she tells Chief McGinnis that she's going to go ahead and drive up to Ridgefield with Bess and George to try to find Edgar Nixon. Um, when she picks up Bess, Bess tells her some exciting news. She was just on the phone with Dave Evans, who is her frequent date, and, oh, guess what? Goes to school with Ned. Surprise, surprise. Um, he was able to confirm that the N. Smith Drew of the play is indeed Nancy Smith Drew. Um, but also there's more. Um, Dave has told Bess that this other Nancy has gone to Ridgeview. Hmm. Oh, what a dink! Guess where we're headed. Um, so the girls assume that Edgar has invited this other Nancy out to Ridge whatever to marry her um, and be able to use all of her upcoming inheritance. So they have to get there in time to stop the wedding. Great. Yeah. Fun. Fun times. I know that uh, standards for uh, courting and marriage were very different back then, but this seems... Fast. Yeah, we don't even know whether they're engaged or not, and she just assumes that the wedding is happening any second now. Very interesting. It just feels very like, oh, this lower class man with no job is scheming to steal this wealthy woman's inheritance mm-hmm. and that's what nancy is concerned about you know right. what i mean yeah like it's not she's not trying to catch edgar to try to like clear ira's name or help ira um you know with his job situation that's not mm-hmm. what the plot of this this book is about it's about nancy trying to stop a wealthy woman from being scammed which Mm -hmm. is like also you know important but the whole start the impetus for this story was like a working class man uh whose brother stole stuff from him you know and it's not that that we're worried about anymore like at this point on yeah we don't we're only worried about about ira stopping the wedding we're only worried about the other smith other Nancy Drew. Yeah. 
I will say that is a big difference from the original. She does work mm. very hard with like saying, I want to clear Ira's name. I want to help him. I want to make sure that his retirement still, you know, goes ahead as planned and he still gets his full pension and everything and isn't penalized because of my mistake, essentially. Well, Interesting. She, she never admits that it's her fault, but <laughs> that's arguable. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so unfortunately at this point, because it is winter now, it's starting to snow pretty heavily. So they're on the way to Ridgeview, Ridgefield, Ridgeview, wherever. And it's, <laughs> um, it's pretty hard to get there, but eventually they do make it to this boarding house where he's staying. Um, Mrs. Hemmer invites them in and tells them that Edgar had actually just moved out this morning, um, likely because he just inherited a bunch of money and was wanting to find better living arrangements. It is Ridgefield. Ridgefield. Okay. What a coincidence, right? <laughs> And so she asks, um, what does Edgar do for a living? And Mrs. Hemmer says, I don't know, but I assume that it's some sort of mail order business because he always gets a ton of mail. And Nancy says, oh, did he recently get married as well? And she says, um, actually, he mentioned that he planned to get married, but I don't know if he's already married by now. But I did meet a girl this morning who stopped by, like, as he was moving out. Um, I didn't get introduced to her, but the girl did speak with an English accent. All oh. right. So Nancy's very worried because she immediately assumes that this must be the other Nancy. And she now thinks that she and Edgar must already be married by this point. So they go to town hall and Nancy asks um, the people at the town hall if there were any marriage licenses issued already that day or that week. Um, and they say no, but that doesn't mean that they didn't go somewhere else. It could have been another town nearby. Um, it could have been that she, or that they went to the justice of the peace or a clergyman in town. Um, so what do they do? They go to all of those people. They go to the justice of the peace. They go to pretty much every church in town. They call all the officiants. Uh, they all say, nope, we haven't married an Edgar and a Nancy. Um, and we don't have any like scheduled for coming up or anything like that. Nobody is, has reserved our time. Um, so they go back to Mrs. Hemmer's house and they try to search Edgar's room. She lets them lets them do that. Um, but she does tell them, though, that, hey, I just received all these letters for Edgar and he didn't leave me a forwarding address. Um, he did tell me, though, that he has a brother in River Heights. You said you were from River Heights. Could you take these letters to his brother? Um, so Nancy agrees to do that. Um, so Nancy takes the letters and then they try to search his room a little bit more. They don't find anything, though, and they leave. Um, they walk down the street though back to nancy's car and a little boy on a sled races down the street and knocks nancy to the ground also knocking all the letters out of her hand another terrible cliffhanger nancy is fine but her leg is a little bit bruised from where the sled hit her whatever um there's more children now coming on sleds so she has to like very quickly she Bess, and george like run around and like pick up all the letters and um because of all the sleds though some of the letters got like ripped open and are now just like laying open on the ground so nancy tells us i'm such a law-abiding citizen i would never open someone's mail never that's illegal but, but it's already open and it's just like sitting there on the ground so if I happen to see what's in the letter, that's not on me. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, like, oh, I would never look through someone's purse. But if I happen to knock it on the ground and things fell out of it, I would be a good person if I helped put the things back in the purse. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So she oh. looks at two different letters and both of the letters have $25 cash inside of them. 
Hmm. All right. Um, and both of the letters say something about they're addressed to guide, just just to dear guide, and they say, um, you know, like thank you so much for helping me find my true love. I can't wait to meet the man that I'm gonna marry. Here's the last of the money. Okay. And so Nancy, after looking at these letters, she says, I'm not gonna open anymore. It's just these two because those are the ones that were open. Um, but. This must mean that Edgar is operating a Lonely Hearts Club, and he is trying to swindle people out of money by telling them if they give him $25 in installments, then he will play matchmaker and find them a husband. Um, but also, he's just, in reality, he's disappearing with their money and no forwarding address. So This Nancy is just, so <laughs> boring, Corey! This is so boring! It's so boring. This is the crime? Yeah. Just, Low-level con? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Nancy goes back to the postmaster in River Heights the next day, gives them the letters, and they're like, yeah, definitely looks like somebody's running a scam here. Um, so they get back late to River Heights, and Nancy's thinking over this case and just kind of decides maybe, maybe it was Edgar Nixon who contacted that law firm in London and told them, you know, we're working on this case, so you should fire Nancy Drew. <laughs> so yeah finally she, finally she puts that that together um so she goes back inside the house they eat dinner and nancy tells carson and hannah about everything that they've learned that day um carson also shows her a newspaper article about ned being a great football pr- player and nancy's super proud <laughs> to call him her friend okay um then carson goes bowling with his friends <laughs> Then Nancy goes to pack for her trip to Emerson, and then the doorbell rings again. It's Mrs. Skeets again, and Nancy is like, all right, what do you want? And Mrs. Skeets again is like, you young people with no respect to your elders. And And she says, oh, well, you know, if you're going to be rude to me, I'm not going to give you your money back. And Nancy's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I came here on a, a, a gesture of good faith to give you your money back because all the letters got returned. And he's like, wait, hmm. what, what, are you, what are you talking about? And she says, yeah, um, today the letter from my sister-in-law came in with the $10. Um, and also I talked to all my neighbors and they also received their mail that had gone missing from that day as well. So it seems like you and your little friends with your prank that you pulled, finally your conscience got the better of you or whatever. And you decided to do the right thing and return the mail. So I'm returning your money. Here you go. And Nancy's like, no, I promised it wasn't me. And Mrs. Keats is like, well... That's for me to decide. Bye. And so she leaves. She's finally out of our lives. Um, so based on this, it seems like Edgar was definitely just after the mail that um, was supposed to be delivered to the Drew home. Just Nancy's letter and Carson's letter from his client or his mail from his client. Edgar couldn't, you know, while actually doing the theft, he didn't have time to look through all the mail. So he just took everything and then remailed the stuff that he didn't need. Carson comes back from his bowling outing and says he suspects that that Edgar was after the letter from he was just doing this so that he could get that cash that was in that letter from his client. Um, And then he just happened to learn that this other Nancy Drew is um, coming into an inheritance. And that's why all the rest of this is kind of snowballing from there. Obviously. (laughs) Sorry. It's just like, duh. Yeah. Yeah. What do we think's happening? it's just not a mystery. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like not. there's a con man. He finds out about potential money and he goes after the money. That's, That's it. it. That's it. That's it. That's the mystery. 
Yes. So and it's just a matter of finding him. <laughs> so and stopping the wedding. It's really stopping right. the wedding, not stopping him from doing con man things. True. It's protecting True. the rich lady. Right. Yeah. So the next morning, Nancy brings the letters to the postal inspector, uh, the ones that she'd gotten from Mrs. Hemmer. Um, and he says, yeah, we can't open these, of course, but we'll run them through our x-ray machine to see if there's cash inside them. Is that how it works? I know that they x-ray mail. I know you can x-ray mail. But can you see money when you x-ray mail? I don't know. Hold on. Well, I mean, the answer is going to be very different today because we're making money, money out of different materials. X-ray. A good x-ray scanner will always detect money. Cool. Good to know. Interesting. Today I learned. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, so they they x-ray it, and they do indeed find that all of these envelopes also have $25 in them. Go figure. So the post inspector says they're going to continue to investigate this scheme. Um, so then Nancy goes to pick up Bess and George, and they head to Emerson. Um, they get to the frat house, and they meet their dates, Ned, Bird, and Dave. Oh, our hearts are a flutter. Mm -hmm. Um just kidding. I actually hate this. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, it's awful. Um, Dave and Bert are both in the play, so they go excuse themselves to, like, go prepare for the play. And Ned escorts the girls to the play a little bit later. Um, they all seat themselves in the audience, and then a student comes out to announce the performance. Um, unfortunately, though, it seems like Miss Nancy Smith-Drew has not returned, so they're actually going to be performing another play that they have prepared instead of the one that Nancy Smith Drew was directing. I don't know. Weird. Um, which one was she doing? It was um, it's Shakespeare something. I can't remember which Shakespeare though. I can't. I don't it think they matter. mention it in the revised. Do they not? They okay. mention. They just mention that she's a Shakespeare person, but they, okay. they were never. I don't think. Um, but this one is like a comedy or something that they're going to be doing instead. And actually, it's good, and, you know, everybody enjoys it or whatever. But Nancy's still disappointed to have missed this other Nancy, right? Um, as she and Ned are leaving the play, um, a friend of Ned's says, Hello, Nancy Drew, to Nancy, because he knows of Nancy. Um, and then another girl who is, like, standing nearby overhears him address Nancy Drew. Um, and she kind of, like, turns around and she goes, Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were a different Nancy Drew. Okay, so we were like, wait, 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 <laughs> don't go anywhere. <laughs> What's your name? You know, what do you mean? You thought I was another Nancy Drew. Um, and we learned that this girl is actually Miss Wilson. She's related to the Wilson family where the other Nancy had um, worked as a governess. Um, so Nancy explains to her that she's actually been looking for this other Nancy. Um, and Miss Wilson tells Nancy, oh, I actually thought I saw her at the performance tonight and in the back. Hmm. Okay, great. Um, so we get this Miss Wilson to come help us look for this other Nancy. Maybe she's still around. Um, and so they like leave together and they all like hurry back to the theater and they see, they actually see the other Nancy uh. um, and they shout out to her, but she doesn't stop. So they like, she goes into the building and they like run into the building after her, 
but they're like unable to find her and like assume that she must have gone out a different exit. And so then they try to re- leave, but they realize that like they've been locked into the building when the other Nancy got out. Um, so they're like forced to break a window to get Ned and Miss Wilson's dates attention because I guess they had stayed outside for some reason. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, this is <sighs> this is things things at this point take a sharp turn. I feel yeah. like that yeah. Um, and so they break the window they get their attention and then like the boys come rescue them but while they have broken the window they see this other nancy get into a car and leave campus right once they're able to get out of the building nancy then asks ned if they can get a car and go to this other nancy's address which correct me if i'm wrong we don't have how did we get this i, I they I don't never remember. said how they know this address I was like, what, what do you mean an address? What? I mean, Mm. unless Miss Wilson gave it to them because she knew where she was staying, but she never says that. She tells us that she hasn't heard from Miss Nancy Drew in forever. So how would she know? This just feels like a a plot hole. (laughs) Um, But somehow they end up knowing where this other Nancy is staying in Emerson, like near Emerson. Which is just like, if you had known where she was staying the whole time, why would you not have gone there? Yeah. Whatever. Um, So Ned's like, sure, let's go. Um, But just as they're like walking towards the parking lot to like get into Nancy's car or whatever, someone throws a rock at Nancy's head. Or sorry, sorry, not at Nancy's head, past Nancy's head. Um, And Ned, okay, this part is kind of fun. Ned, like, pulls her to the ground and, like, saves her from being hit in the head with his, like, fast football player reflexes. Yes. <laughs> Which is funny. And then he, like, chases after the man who is, of course, now fleeing um, and, like, catches up to him in the parking lot and grabs him and stops him before he can run away. What's the big so idea, Ned- fella? <laughs> fella, yes. <laughs> Ned gets to his, his thrilling heroics moment. Mm-hmm. Um. And he is, what the heck are you doing throwing that rock, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually they get the story out of him. And he says that somebody paid him $25 to wait for Nancy and, like, throw it past her. Just to scare her, though. He promises he wasn't actually trying to harm her. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. Nancy asks for the description of the guy who paid him. And pretty sure, based off of what he says, that it's Edgar Nixon. Of course it is. Who yeah. else would it be? Of we course We have so many is. suspects in this story. Right? Who knows if it's Edgar <laughs> They let the man go, um, which is great. Um, (laughs) um, Ned then asks Nancy if she'll go to bed um, because it's been such a long trying day for her. And somebody just threw a rock past her. And he can only imagine how tired she is and she looks so beat. And don't you want to just visit Nancy's other, the address for other Nancy tomorrow instead? so angry Mm. (laughs) but nancy of course you know now that he said that actually does feel very tired all of a sudden ah um and it's like you know what maybe you're right 
but you know promise me that you'll go drive by that house and he says that he will and if there's like a light on he'll call or he'll go in and ask the other nancy to call nancy yeah what huh Okay, so she wakes up by the phone, but, like, after half an hour, just half an hour with no call, she goes to bed. <laughs> okay. Um, then the next morning, they go to the boarding house. Of course, Nancy Smith-Drew is not there, but the owner says, oh, she was here last night, and she left this morning with a big suitcase. Ah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking Ned! Sorry, that was not a good excuse to use the F word, but, like, Ned! It's your fault! This is your fault. We could have had this mystery wrapped up in this chapter. Chapter 14, if it hadn't been your insistence that Nancy needs to go to bed. Because she's a young lady. And young ladies need their rest. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. Uh, I I swear I'll stop uh, being whiny and cursing at some point. That's Um, okay. (laughs) Please do. It's all right. Um, Yes. So... This um, boarding house owner, she says that uh, Miss Smith Drew recently got engaged and she thinks that she took the suitcase to go shopping for her trousseau. But she thinks she'll be back. (laughs) Um, So Nancy tells this woman that if Miss Smith Drew returns to ask her to please contact Nancy and not to get married before doing so. Um, (laughs) Okay. After this, Ned has to go get ready for the big game. Because, of course, that's why we're here this weekend. It's to see Ned's big football game. Um, so while he has to go, Nancy goes to town hall on her own to ask if a marriage license was prepared for Edgar and this other Nancy. They're like, no. So Nancy feels, like, dejected. She's trying to figure out what Edgar's plan here could be. And it's like, we know what his plan is, Nancy. Just because you can't figure out where he's trying to get married doesn't mean we don't know his plan. Anyway. So she somehow cooks up in her head, decides that he might try to get Miss Smith-Drew to England to marry her there or potentially marry her before, but then get her there and then collect the inheritance while they're there, right? Mm -hmm. So Nancy calls the airlines, um, and then she calls, like, almost all of them, um, and she's about to give up when she calls one final one um, and asks if they have a reservation for Edgar and a Miss Smith-Drew, and they say, yes, we do. And they are about to say, their flight leaves at... And just then, the line goes dead. Mm. Great. Cool. Excellent. Nancy tries to call them back immediately, but there's, like, a busy signal, and she can't get through. Despite, like, she tries, like, a a few times after that, she just can't get through. It's weird. She also realizes now that she has, like, no information from the airline. She doesn't know when they're leaving. She doesn't know where they're going. (laughs) She doesn't even know if the reservation was actually for Nancy Smith-Drew or if it was for, like, Edgar and, like, Mrs. Edgar Nixon, right? She didn't didn't clarify that. This bothers me a little bit because I don't know how quickly Nancy thinks that, like, legal name changes happen, but it doesn't automatically happen upon your your signature going on a marriage license. That's a whole separate process. Nancy even says, like, oh, I don't think that she, maybe, maybe she's had time to get her passport updated, but probably not. So she might be traveling under Nancy Drew. It's like, no, no, in the past 14 hours, she has not had time to get her passport (laughs) updated, Nancy. No, there's no way. I'm sorry. Oh, also, like, if they had gotten married and she did somehow manage to update her passport 
in T minus, you know, eight hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's too late. Like, unless there was some kind of prenuptial agreement, he's, that money, half that money right. his. Right, right. You know, like, there's nothing you can do. Well, I don't so, know what the laws are in England, but probably, yeah. I mean, if she's if she's married before she has collected the inheritance, before the money has passed on to her, and hmm. so then the money becomes an asset to her only after she has been married. That's an issue, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so at this point, it's like time to go to the big game with Bess and George. So there's like not much she can do about it because she says, I'm not going to miss Ned's big game. I came here. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is so hilarious. Um, yeah. So she does get a couple of calls before she leaves. So she gets one from Miss Marianne Wilson. This is Miss Wilson who was helping us chase down the other Nancy last night. Um, she says she'll join Nancy at the game because maybe the other Nancy is going to show up at the game and she can spot her. Okay. Um, she gets another call from Carson and he says that he got in touch with the London law firm, uh, I guess today or maybe the night before or whatever. And they shared that the detective agency had reached out to them and they learned that this detective agency is like a shady outfit and can't be trusted. So they're back on the case. Hmm. Great. Okay, cool. Um, and then Nancy goes to enjoy the game. Um, and then we have like the most detailed, bizarre football scene. This is about 10% of the amount of football scene that was in the original. We have like two whole chapters just on a play-by-play no. of what, what this game is doing. It's so bad. No. It's so bad. Dude, I could barely handle it for two pages. Wow. Uh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, like, I know it's supposed to illustrate that Ned is, like, this badass football player or whatever, and that he's, like, super great at football. There was an article about him in the newspaper. Okay, fine. We get it. He's a football <laughs> we player. We get it. But you don't need to, like, describe the plays and, like, the, like, so much. Like, let me just explain that I know nothing about sports of any kind. Um, I only know football. I, I mean, I don't know anything about football. I know what a football term is. Uh, certain certain football terms are, but that that's it. It was just, and it was just like word vomit of those of those terms oh, just on a page. Big time, big time. Let yeah. me just hold on. I think Walter <laughs> Kerrig was a big sports guy because he just he really got into the detail with have, this. Must have been. So okay, 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 okay. I'll say as well, Ned was second string in the original, not like first string quarterback oh! as he was in the revised. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, man. So he's not, he okay. doesn't play most, or he doesn't start the game, but he plays a little bit. And Nancy is like into it, too. Nancy oh, yeah. is like super into it. Like she talks about, like, you know, she's cheering on Ned, and they're like, Frank cut to the left, 30 yard line being tackled ran into the stands like you know it's just all of this stuff it's like pages upon pages of this and it's like why this is a mystery book for god's sake why are we read? i don't want to read about football the whole reason i'm reading a mystery novel is because i don't want to know about football mm-hmm. like you know um anyway so <laughs> they they have this game 
Um, and then like midway through the game, Ned gets hit pretty hard by a tackle. Then, but he gets up, he seems to be okay, but then he goes to make a field goal and like misses despite this like legendary kick that he supposedly has. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, and then he collapses to the ground. No, no. All right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he gets carted off the field. Um, and Nancy's freaking out, super worried because they take him off the field and she like can't get down there and doesn't know like if he's okay or anything. Um, so they do the halftime show and everything. And then the players run out after halftime and she sees, yay, Ned's with them. He's fine. He's up and moving again, but he is benched for pretty much the rest of the game. Um, the game is going pretty poorly at this point, though, and Emerson's opponents are up a point, and there's only three minutes left in the game, and then Coach sends Ned back into the game, and oh he makes a field God. goal, scores the winning <laughs> point. Everyone cheers. They rush the field. Um, everyone's freaking out. There's this huge crowd around the – just, you know, everybody's in the stadium freaking out. Um, and Nancy goes down to the locker room to wait for the guys, and she congratulates them, but then she sees Edgar Nixon is standing – just over there Bert and Dave she gets Bert and Dave to run after them run after him and like detain him and so she runs up a couple seconds later catches up to them and he denies that he's Edgar Nixon um he says actually no a another woman mistook me for Edgar um when I was at my hotel earlier and apparently like Edgar was supposed to meet somebody at a hotel but he's not Edgar so they let him go here's the thing they imply that the person who mistook him for Edgar Nixon is the other Nancy. Right. So she doesn't know what her own she husband, fiance what guy, he looks, looks like. like. Yeah. Or he looks close That's enough that, like, she wouldn't concerning. tell the difference. Yeah. What? <sighs> so, yeah. So they let him go, and Nancy and Ned drive over to that hotel that he mentioned. And unfortunately, it seems like neither Edgar nor Miss Drew are registered guests there. Uh, but she does show Edgar's picture, and they say, no, no. Okay, so no luck. So uh, they decide to go back to the boarding house. Yep, just like 10, chap 10 pages on that, just for nothing. To Why? <laughs> Um, they go back to Miss Drew's boarding house to see if maybe she's returned there, and we learn that she hasn't. Maybe she's skipped town. So Nancy says, hey, can I use your phone? And they try to call the airline again. They do get through this time. Um, we hear that um, Edgar Nixon's now wife actually canceled her reservation, um, but he still plans on leaving at 9.30 Monday night on a flight to London. Um, but she also learns that there is a reservation for a Nancy Smith Drew. WTF. I don't under I did not understand this and I still don't understand this, especially considering the ending. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Unless Ugh. I suppose unless it was Edgar made a reservation for himself and his wife. And then canceled it because they hadn't gotten married yet. Because they hadn't gotten married yet. But yeah. also you would just think unless he's just dumb and doesn't know that you can't register someone under a name that they don't have you know <laughs> my name doesn't Whatever. match my passport that's fine right like <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 
they don't really learn anything here, but they, so they drive back to Emerson and they're going to go to this dance that Ned has invited her to, but there's like not enough parking. So they have to park like a couple streets away and parallel park on the street. And <laughs> Ned's like super impressed that Nancy knows how to drive a car. Um, so they get out of the car and they start walking back to the fraternity house where the dance is going to be held and then suddenly a car jumps the curb and starts coming straight for them of course of course they get out of the way just in time and the car goes speeding off but nancy is able to see that it's kind of a reddish brownish color doesn't edgar have a red car um so nancy's like all right can't go to the dance just yet let's go back to the car they drive to the police station they report this and nancy tells them that hey i suspect that this was edgar nixon because he's found out somehow that i've i'm investigating his lonely hearts scheme um the police tell her actually we've had a couple of complaints lately that some guy has cheated some women out of money um that they had this like installment plan where it was like a total of a hundred dollars that they were supposed to pay him and then he just never showed up with the husband that they were supposed to get from this um so confirmed he is actually running this scheme nancy also explains about the other nancy and the police say that they will put an alarm out for the other miss drew then they go back to the frat house to actually go to the dance this time. Nancy gets ready. They head to the gym and everyone is hanging out and have a good time. Ned is like, you know, everyone's <laughs> obsessing over him. Oh, our hero. He won the big game. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then a guy comes up and says, hey, Ned, you got a phone call. So he excuses himself. And then um, Bess and George and Bert and Dave get up to dance. And Nancy's just kind of sitting there waiting for Ned to come back. And all of a sudden the um, the the band that's playing the guy gets up on the microphone and is like they stop the music and it's like is there a nancy drew here the police want to speak to you come come up to the stage Ooh. please um so she goes up to the stage and the band member tells her yeah we got a message like a student just came in here with a message from the police saying that you needed to go talk to them um basically out in the hallway um they're like over by the auditorium where the theater is so Nancy goes down the hall. She goes to look around the auditorium. There's nobody there. She like goes and like looks in the wings and she just like can't see anybody. She's like trying to figure out where this cop is that's come to talk to her. Let's see. She like starts calling out to somebody. And then all of a sudden the curtain on, on the theater stage comes crashing down. She jumps out of the way barely just in time. And um, her friends like come running in or she comes running out of the theater and runs into her friends like on the way out they ask her what's up and she says someone tried to kill me by dropping <laughs> fabric on my head um no a stage I mean, it would legitimately her. kill you <laughs> would it kill you or just injure you i know yeah, they're heavy no but, okay i mean it, de- it probably depends on how big the theater is and how big sure. the curtain is but like yeah Okay, fair enough, fair it's, enough. Cause it's because it's not just the curtain, but the curtain alone force probably could kill you, but the bar oh, that well, yeah, the curtain. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, well, absolutely kill you. <laughs> I, I thought maybe Nancy was being overdramatic, but fair enough. Yeah. Yep, that's fair. It's very dangerous. So um, the boys tell the girls to wait in the hall because they're going to go be strong men who handle this situation and find out what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Of course, they don't find anyone. So they decide oh, surprise. to... surprise. <laughs> men aren't as competent as they think they are. <laughs> Excellent. 
Um, so they decide to go find the student that had delivered the message from the police officer. Um, we learn that there's like basically a bouncer at this dance who's another student. His <laughs> name is Jim. And he says, yeah, this plain, co- plain clothes police officer came up, gave me this message. And I didn't know who Nancy Drew was. So I just asked the, the band leader to announce it and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, we know the rest of the story from there. Nancy says, can you describe the man, the police officer that came up to you? And he gives a description that does not at all match the description of Edgar Nixon. So maybe he's got an accomplice. Not really sure what's going on there. Spoiler alert. We never find an accomplice. We don't, no. So there's just this other criminal still out and about. So they go home. (laughs) They sleep. They go to church the next day. It's like a special service. They have to mention it's a special service that Emerson has arranged for the dates of the fraternity brothers. Can I ask a question? Is Emerson an all-boys school? I got that vibe, yes. I definitely got that vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when they do the play, because in the original, Ned's in the play as well, and they mention Mm -hmm. that, like, wow, it's so amazing how some of these guys look like women when they're all dressed up for the ladies' roles. (laughs) Yeah, they mention the Mm cross-dressing in... Uh, the revised edition too, that like Bert has to play a girl or something. This I think. made me so mad because of the um, how Ted is treated in the Benita Granville movies when he's like, yeah. his only option is to put on a dress and he gets arrested twice for it or three times or something. But all these rich boys in college get to do it and perform it for people. Mm-hmm. It's totally fine in this case, but for some reason not. Okay. Anyway, anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Whatever. Sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but the then, church service. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they go, they go to church. They come back to the frat house. And Nancy gets a call from Hannah. And she says, I, I just wanted you to know right away. I know you're coming home later today. But I wanted you to know now that Edgar came to Ira's house last night and robbed him. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so she says that Hannah, or Hannah explains to Nancy that she went over there after church to bring Ira some more food and probably to flirt with him. No, I, I added that in. Just mm-hmm. kidding. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but she says that he found him in a horrible state and his house was really messy. And he says that I, um, Ira tells us that Edgar came in and started demanding in, uh, money, not just, not the inheritance, but just any money. Cause he says that he he's like under this impression that Ira is lying to him about how much money he has and that he, I don't know, whatever. So Ira refuses to give him any money and he starts ransacking the house and ends up finding a thousand dollars because Hannah informs us that this is just Ira's thing, that he doesn't do banks. He just squirrels away money in random places in his house. And Hannah's even told him not to do this, but he does. And so Ira finds the money, steals the thousand dollars and gets away. Ira won't call the police, though, because he doesn't want his brother to get in trouble or to get a bad reputation. It's too late for that now. Um, Carson's (laughs) not at home, though, and Hannah doesn't know what to do. And Nancy tells her, I'll be home that evening. Just sit tight. I'll come help with whatever I need to do. Um, So they have lunch. And before they leave, Nancy decides that she's going to try to go back to that boarding house one more time where Nancy or the other Nancy had been staying. And Ned goes with her this time. They're in luck, though, because the owner um, of the house is somewhat distressed because when she returned from church that afternoon, she found two weeks rent on the dresser in Mrs. Smith Drew's room. Um, All of her belongings were gone and there was just like this weird note 
left along with the money. Um, she doesn't know if Miss Drew herself moved out or if someone came and took all of Miss Drew's stuff for her because obviously she wasn't home at the time. She was at church. Um, and also we have to say that all of the, the whole street is all good mm -hmm. church going people who are, you know, way mm -hmm. above any of the, oh God. I'm sorry, this is just so bad. <laughs> but all the other neighbors were also at church, so they didn't see anyone. Um, right. But this this strange note, um, Nancy reads it, and Nancy figures out that it's a bunch of Shakespeare quotes. Um, and Ned and the owner of the house are super confused by this, but Nancy's like, I know what it means, and I know what to do next. Ugh. It's ridiculous, too, because it's literally, all it is is she's just like, reading the quotes as like being literal yeah like yep that's it she's just like oh she's just trying to tell us a story about you know this situation with a man that she's in and that she's unsure what she's supposed to do but she's going to take a chance anyway and marry him it's like yeah obviously like that's literally what it says like i just whatever um, and somehow, like, Ned and the boarding house lady were just too stupid to understand, like, the meaning of words. They're so impressed by Nancy's excellent deduction skills. <laughs> right. Um, so, okay. So Nancy says that, like, you know, she thinks that this note was written by Miss Smith Drew to, like, you know, communicate about her situation. And she thinks that she left it like this as, like, Shakespeare quotations so that Edgar wouldn't know what she was, like, talking about. But Nancy thinks that, like, ultimately he did figure it out based on the note and then realized that Nancy would figure it out because she would... Cause because he knew that Nancy would come here and knew that Nancy would see the note and read the note and understand the note. And she thinks that he canceled their flight. This is so painful. It's all so bad. I hate like this. the leaps, just the leaps taken. Uh, why? Okay. First of all, why would Miss Smith Drew try to write a note in like fake code to hide information from her fiance? Don't go At with all. him. Why would she do that? Don't go with him. If you're having to write secret coded messages for help, don't go with the man. It's a red flag. Um, second of all, apparently it wasn't good enough at all to fool him even. And Nancy can somehow know this about that, that Edgar would figure this out, even though she's never met him or ever met Miss Smith Drew. But she can figure it out. I, I just, it's... <laughs> And then that based on this, she thinks that Edgar knows that she could figure it out. And that she thinks, <laughs> and that she thinks that because he knows that she knows what the note that was left by Miss Drew means, that he canceled their flight and is mm -hmm. no longer going to do that because he must have known that Nancy knew about the flights that they were taking. Yeah. How? Um, okay, so they call the airline, um, and sure enough, what do you know, the reservations have been canceled. Um, okay, but then Ned just calls around and finds another reservation for them under Mr. and Mrs. Nixon again, and M Mr. and Mrs. Nixon? 
Okay. This doesn't make any sense. I want to like roll my laptop. Like it doesn't make any sense. WTF. Whatever. Um, at this point, Nancy has to drive back to River Heights. So they stop at the police station to have like to tell them that Edgar is probably going to, going to New York with this new flight information. So like tell the New York police so that they can stop him. Right. Um, and then Nancy goes home with Bess and George. Um, they reach Nancy's house. Uh, Bess and George are going to be spending the night there. Cool. Great. Um, but of course, Nancy plans to, quote unquote, get permission um, to go to New York bright and early to try to stop Edgar Nixon herself. Right. It's not enough that she told the police she's got to go try to stop him from mm-hmm. getting on a plane. Um so the next morning she talks to Carson. Of course, Carson's like, yeah, go to New York. Um, and Nancy calls her Aunt Eloise, um, who is like, yes, please come up. You all can stay with me. Right. How dare this book tease Aunt Eloise and then not know. even show her? How I dare know. they? I got so excited. I was like, maybe this book will be saved. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> maybe Aunt Eloise Alas. will come in at the last moment and <laughs> fix everything. Um. But so the girls go to the airport. They're all like sitting in the airport waiting for their plane to New York when a woman approaches Nancy and asks if she's Nancy Drew. Nancy's like, yes, I'm Nancy Drew. And the woman says that there is a friend of Nancy's who is very ill in the bathroom and asked and saw Nancy out here and asked her to come into the bathroom to like help her. This is an obvious trap. The only friends that <laughs> Nancy has are currently sitting next to her <laughs> listening to her say this. And also, like, Nancy was just in a position where she was put into it. Like, someone literally called her, like, out of the room, essentially. The exact same setup, basically. Mm-hmm. And that was a trap, too. Yeah. Nancy. Of course, she's too dumb to realize this. Um, and so she gets up to go with her. But once she goes into the bathroom, she doesn't see anybody else there. And the woman, instead, pulls a handkerchief out of her purse, covers Nancy's face with it, and Nancy passes out chloroformed her this isn't how chloroform works it's not um luckily Bess and George are able to find and like revive her before their flight leaves and they get her onto the plane so it didn't even matter they find her in the airport nursery which I didn't know was used to be a thing yes interesting yes under a crib like somebody had like dragged her first of all is the bathroom the bathroom must be attached to this nursery somehow because otherwise this woman would have had to drag Nancy out of the bathroom into like another room while she's unconscious and dump a crib over her. <laughs> it must be. What? Why did we ever get rid of that? Like, yeah, was there like a special nice. like lactation and baby well, resting you know, area? Maybe they do have those in a lot of airports too now. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're called, like more like of a nurseries. recent addition, though. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, they have like rest rooms for like mothers with infants. Yeah. Bring those uh, back. Put cribs in airports mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Well, I don't know that. I mean, I wouldn't put my baby into a airport crib. Like, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, I was just thinking, like, bed bugs get really and, gross like, really quick. Yeah. Lice and, and just yeah. babies throw up on everything. So yeah, and yeah, all kinds anyway. of gross, dirty diapers. Sorry. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. But yeah, so it's fine. They get Nancy on the plane. She's like groggy, but she eventually wait. She like takes a nap on the plane, and then she's fine. So. Uh, they get to New York um, and they get off the plane and George suggests to Nancy that she disguise herself since 
somebody is clearly going after her. Um, and Bess and George will just like follow behind her discreetly as if they like don't know each other so they can be back up for her, right? So that's what they do. Um, and Nancy approaches the airline counter to ask them, you know, hey, has Edgar and Miss Drew checked in yet? And they're like, no. So she settles in to wait for them. And then, of course, just a couple moments later, a couple comes up and the man looks a whole lot like Edgar Nixon. Um, and so he tells the woman to, like, wait and, like, sit down in, like, the waiting area, right? Um, and go, he goes up to the counter himself. Um, and so while he's at the counter, Nancy quickly explains to the woman, who says she is, in fact, Nancy Smith Drew. She says, hey, the man you're with is a criminal and is going to steal your money. Don't marry him. Um, she learns that she hasn't actually married him yet. So that's fortuitous or whatever. Um, and then as she's talking to this woman, two plainclothes policemen come up to arrest Edgar. I guess the New York cops were waiting and watching for him here. Of course they are because you told them to, Nancy. Um, I love this as well because Nancy, Bess, and George have like worked out this. They're like, we need a signal. What can we do? Because we're because <laughs> the, they're like across the airport from Nancy, and she's like, okay, if something happens, wave your purse in the air so that I can see you. <laughs> and so the plainclothes police officers go up to Edgar, and she looks over. And Bess and George are across the airport, just like swinging <laughs> their purses around. It's like that's <laughs> that's inconspicuous. Like nobody's gonna look at the teen girls swinging their purses in the air over their heads <laughs> in the airport like they're using it as a lasso oh at the rodeo <laughs> it was great um yeah so he gets arrested and um nancy smith drew is like upset of course she didn't know anything about all of this crime going on i guess um nancy actually goes up to edgar and like talks to him and he just, yeah, he just admits to stealing the letters from Ira's bag. And he says, you know, he was following, I he just explains his whole, his whole life story. He's like, yeah, I was following Ira because Carson's client is apparently a big talker, was also part of Edgar's Lonely Heart scheme. And so he knew that she was going to be sending money to Carson in the mail. And so he was following Ira to try to steal that letter with the money. But then, you know, he saw, saw the other letter that was addressed to Nancy. He opened that, learned about the inheritance. And so he started scheming on how he was going to marry this other Nancy Drew and get her money. Um, yeah. So Nancy asks if he still has the money that he stole from Ira. And he's like, yeah. And he just hands it to her. Here, give it to him. Give back to him, that cheapskate. All that and for then, that. <laughs> and yeah, he also tells her to give it back to him because Ira never did treat me like a brother. Well, you didn't treat him like a brother. You stole his money, dude. <laughs> um, And then he's taken away, led away by the cops. And the other mystery was like left to wonder what she should do now that she's not going to get married. Celebrate um, that you didn't like <laughs> get yourself into this mess with that crazy man. <laughs> tells her that she should go to London and have a fabulous time without Edgar. She also doesn't mention, I mean, I'm sure she she does and she will, but she doesn't mention like, hey, get in touch with Malmesbury Bates Jones. Because you have like a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um, And then <laughs> the other Nancy's like, yeah, great idea. I will go to London. Um, And then she like recites. Hold on. Yeah, you just got to read it. 
<laughs> because there is no way it says bananas. This is what she's this is how literally the book ends with this quote with Nancy Smith Drew saying, You dear girls, I can never thank you enough. But love is blind and lovers cannot see the pretty follies that themselves commit. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, okay. I know it's supposed the to be end. a Shakespeare thing because she's a Shakespeare lady or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're telling me she's trying to say that this all happened. These these were just, quote, unquote, shenanigans because she was blindly in love with this guy? I guess. Yeah. Or is she trying to say that, like, Edgar is, like, was doing all this foolish stuff because of love? Because... Oh, no, it's her being in love and being too blind to it. Okay. I don't think Edgar okay, loved okay, her okay. at all. It's just so, it's just like, this is how we end. This is the, this is the ending is like a Shakespeare's, Shakespeare quote about how love is blind. Yeah. But he's a criminal. <laughs> love is it's blind to crimes, about, too. But, 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 but. Yeah. It's not about, you're not, it's not, a, people are fooled by people all the time. It's, it's not a situation of love. No. I mean, I mean. And they know each other for what, like a week? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, no, like a, like a week. It's definitely only a week because it's like on Saturday, Friday or Saturday when Ira's mail is stolen. And then it's like the next, it's the following week and then Nancy goes to Emerson. Yeah. And so that's, and that's the weekend that it all happens is like that Sunday. This is Sunday evening. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we even yeah. learned that like Edgar went to like go make her acquaintance and then convince her to marry him. That's how they word it. Make her acquaintance and then marry mm-hmm. her. Like just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Presumably with that schnazzy pin he bought at the jeweler. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that comes back into play as well because he's wearing the cufflinks at the airport and that's the only way she knows it's Edgar. Whatever. Yeah, right, right, right. So also, it's interesting that this book takes place in November, which is very clearly in the school year, also because Ned is at school. Literally, they visit him at school. And during the week, the girls are not pursuing any kind of education. It is Thanksgiving break. They do specify oh. that it's it's the week, it's the week of thanksgiving so this football game was like that that monday or something yeah of course they do so dang i was about to say hey (laughs) (laughs) of course wow okay well um how awful yeah um oh i hate this book i do too it's just it's not only is it boring First of all, boring, boring, boring plot. Mm-hmm. It also, like, doesn't make any sense. It, like, goes off the rails. It, the plot doesn't make sense at the end. And then also it's, like, super sexist and classist mm-hmm. and gross. And though there's nothing redeeming about this. And the fact that it's an improvement on the original is saying a lot. That's shocking to me. That's shocking to me, Corey. Tell me how it's different. Okay, so... I was going to write up a little plot summary and then I realized it's just not worth the time because <laughs> it's just, oh God. Okay. So I feel like the, um, the original, it's much more like compartmentalized. There's very much like 
just the male thing and then just the Nancy Smith Drew thing. So we start out um, kind of the same situation where Nancy's inviting Ira in for Coco. Um, their last name is Dixon, not Nixon in the original, which is kind of, I felt like that's a fun little nod to Frank Franklin. Dixon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Hardy Boys author or ghostwriter. Yeah. So he like leaves the mailbag actually like on the front step, not in the vestibule. It's much easier for the the theft to happen. But Nancy actually does receive her letter before the bag gets stolen. He does give her the letter from England. There's no like Carson's client mail. That's just completely not in it at all. Um, And then there she wants to read the letter right then, but she feels like it's rude to read it in front of Best George and Iris. So she's like, I'm going to wait. And then they find out about the stolen mail and everything. Um, Ira does not go to the hospital or anything. He does feel really awful about it. But Nancy's like, no, it's going to be okay. I will go with you to the postmaster to explain what happened. I will take responsibility because this isn't on you. I suggested to you that you leave your mailbag where you did. And that's when it got stolen. Um, we have the same thing with little little Tommy, the neighbor boy, um, helping Cute. out a little bit, which that's sweet. Um, so they go to the post office and we meet the postmaster general who is, I think his last name is Cutter and he is horribly sexist. Um, oh, in fact, let me see <laughs> if I can find the quote. Um, he's very much oh, like no. kind of same attitude as Mrs. Um, what's her name? The lady with the $10. Starts with a K. Skeet. Yeah, Skeet. So, um, Cutter, the postmaster, starts telling Nancy that this is all her fault, and um, she's like, oh, I was in such a hurry. He says, I'll certainly agree you were in a hurry. Now, in my day, young women didn't go flying around like wild turkeys. A woman's place is in the home, and I, and say I... That goes for young ones who ought to be studying the business end of a broom or a darning needle instead of getting into trouble all the time. Oh, Hell no. Mm-hmm. Wild so, turkeys? Yeah. <laughs> so very, very wow. sexist scene there. He blames Nancy for mm-hmm. it. And the Secret Service get involved. And they start investigating this. And they tell Ira, like, no, you're not fired. But you're on, like, immediate probation. Go home right now. Turn in your stuff. We'll let you know if we allow you to come back to work kind of thing. Nancy mm. just feels awful about it. Um, but there's no, like, we don't. To start to connect the two mysteries, the male mystery and the Nancy Smith Drew mystery, until the second to last chapter. They like we get a hint that Edgar or Iris says like something about like he thinks Edgar is engaged to someone, but he didn't know anything about it, and then they just kind of drop it. They don't mention it again. There's no hint that it might be Nancy Smith Drew. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Nancy doesn't even open her letter until chapter eight. There's just what? this long string, eight chapters after we leave the postmaster's office and we take Ira back home and we get the picture Why? of Edgar and everything. She just like every every time she goes to open it, something comes up like, oh, she starts to open the letter, but then the phone rings and then she starts oh to open God. the letter and it's Mrs. Skeet. And then she starts to open the letter and um, then Hannah calls her down for lunch. So she has to go eat lunch first. And then she starts to open the letter and she doesn't have a letter opener. So we have to go Please ask stop. Carson. <laughs> no, really. We have to go ask Carson for a letter opener. But before we can op- you like use the letter opener, the doorbell rings again and it's Ned. And Ned comes in and he asks Carson's permission to take her to his football game. But not just no. that. It's his parents that have sent Ned over on their behalf to invite Nancy because they it's like family weekend or something for the college. So the Nickersons are planning to go up and they say, Nancy, would you like to be our guest and like ride Mm -hmm. with us? So she's going to ride in the car with them to Emerson. 
So we finally open the letter. We learn about Nancy Smith Drew. So Nancy writes to the law firm and is like, yes, um, I'm not the Nancy you're looking for, but I'm on it. I will find her for you. Um, so we, um, I can't remember exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So after we talked to Mrs. Skeets, we learned that, um, you know, she used to live in New York. We learn that George really likes what they call the society papers. So George is reading all the gossip mm-hmm. magazines and the tabloids. And she learns that there is this rich family named the Hutchinson family. So this is supposed to be the Wilson family. I don't know if they changed the name, but it's the Hutchinsons in the original. Um, they live in New York and they used to employ this Nancy Smith Drew. And okay. they're having like a big old family reunion soon in New York City. Okay. And it's like news. It's like in these magazines saying like, Oh, the rich family's having a family reunion in New York city this summer. So Nancy writes them a letter and tells them the situation, sends them that letter and says like, I'll be there basically to come <laughs> ask you <laughs> myself. Yeah, about Nancy Smith drew and is like waiting for a response. But then like, we don't ever hear back from that, but then Nancy has to yeah. go shopping to get ready for the football game trip. Um, so it's like 10 chapters of Nancy has to go buy a hat for the game. And we have Nancy deliberating over which hat to buy. And then we have to go somewhere else to buy a feather to put in the hat. Um, and we like learn that Nancy gets like a really generous fashion budget from Carson. Like she gets an allowance, but then she also gets a separate allowance just for fashion. (laughs) Just for clothes. And accessories and purses and shoes and yes, exactly gloves and yes. So we have to do all that, and then Nancy does a couple other things of like trying to clear Ira's name, and then the same thing with the letters getting mailed back to their original owners happens. And then we get a letter from the law firm, and they're like, "Great, if you can find the other Nancy Drew, let us know." Basically, there's no like, uh, like, oh, this other detective firm has volunteered to find her so you're off the case that never happens right but then the nickersons come and they pick nancy up and they're off to emerson for the weekend and then they have to go to the football game and we have 87 chapters on the play-by-play of the football (laughs) game and nancy is sitting at the football game and there's a young woman sitting in front of her talking about oh I will also say, Bess and George do not go with them to Emerson. It's just Nancy and Ned's parents. But then Helen is also there. So Helen Corning's oh, in this one. Um, and she is there with her mother because Helen is also dating a football player. Um, we learn that his name is Buck Rodman. Um, and then Buck Rodman's mother is also sitting with them. So it's like Nancy and Helen and then Ned's parents and Helen's mom and Buck's mom all sitting together. Was not was Helen not engaged? Not yet. When does that happen? I don't know, but she's married by book 10, so it must be the next book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. so they're at the football game, and the woman in front of them says something about New York, or someone says something to her about going to New York. And Nancy's like, hey, sorry to intrude on your conversation, but I heard that you're from New York, and I know that this is a huge long shot because there are millions of people live in New York. <laughs> But do you know a Hutchinson family? And she was like, what? I'm a Hutchinson. Shut up. No! And so this is this is Marion Hutchinson. So Marion Wilson, who we, we meet in the thing. And she says, yeah, Nancy Smith-Drew was my nanny back in the day, but I haven't heard from her since she moved off to pursue her acting career. Okay, so the football game finally ends. We get the same scene where she sees Edgar from across the football stadium, um, and there's no Bert or Dave in this book either. So she follows 
him herself doesn't catch up to him, but it is actually him this time. It's not some guy that just happens to look like him. Oh, gosh. And then what happens to... Oh, and then they have to go to the play. Right. Um, which Ned is in the play, and so is Buck Rodman. And so Nancy, Helen, and Marion are all sitting together at the play. And it is a Shakespeare play. And Nancy Smith-Drew is the director of the play. We just happen to, like, see her name in the program. And Nancy's asking, like, hey, Marion, could you, like, point her out to me or anything? Like, where is she in the room? And they're, like, looking around. They're like, it's too dark. I can't really see. We'll We'll catch her afterwards, right? Um, and so the same scene happens where after the play, they like get locked in the auditorium, like the back wing or whatever yeah. of it. And then Ned has to come to their rescue and Buck comes to the rescue as well. Um, and Marion's fiance, because she's engaged to the football player as well. As I said, Bess and George did not go with her to the football game. We have Helen there instead. So Helen is pretty much useless with solving, helping to solve the mystery. So we get Ned's help a little bit, but he's also useless and also he has to go to the football game. So Nancy recruits <laughs> Ned's dad. No. And then like the last half of the book is just Nancy and Ned's dad running around Emerson. <laughs> and he's the one that goes to these boarding houses with her. I kind of love it. I'm not going to lie. It's so it weird. It's not creepy, oh, no. but like, it, why Why isn't it creepy though? Like it feels <laughs> like it should be a creepy situation. And right, Ned's mom is just right. like, oh, he's so happy, Nancy. He loves mysteries. And you're giving him like the chance of a lifetime to help with your mystery. And this is fine. Mm. And all me and Helen's mom are going to go back to the hotel. You take my husband and go God knows where. And I'll see y'all later. Uh, yeah. Mm -mm. No, thanks. Yeah. So, yeah. Just the, the last half of the book, Nancy's sidekick is Mr. Nickerson. And he's well, just like a cornball. It's ball. weird because she's 16. Yeah. And yeah. Her you're, that's her date who's also significantly older than her father. Mm -hmm. This is a weird dynamic. And so they're all like Ned and Nancy and then the Nickersons are walking together, like back to the car or something after the game. And Nancy like runs ahead of Ned, grabs Mr. Nickerson, pulls him away from Mrs. Nickerson and is like whispering to them. And Ned's <gasps> like, what are you guys talking about? And she's like, I'm not telling. You'll have to wait and find out. And then it's just this weird like game that they play where they have this like secret that they're keeping from Ned and Mrs. Nickerson. It's it's mm. like very um, it, it's it's an innocent secret, but it feels weird right, and creepy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So got it. But so they try to like follow Nancy Smith Drew, and then eventually figure out where Edgar is living, and that's when they find the um, Lonely Hearts letters, and Nancy realizes oh, yeah, this is a much bigger scheme than just trying to, like, scam one time. He's been doing this to a lot of women a lot. And um, there's no Chief McGinnis either because he's not going to be invented right. for, like, another three or four books. I can't remember exactly when he comes mm -hmm. in. But then Nancy, like, finally figures out where Nancy Smith-Drew is living and, like, goes into the boarding house. And she goes upstairs and Edgar, like, is leaving as she's going in. And she goes upstairs and finds Nancy Smith-Drew, like, crying. And she's like, I can't go away with that man. He's horrible to me. Because she'd, like, kind of overheard Edgar yelling at her when, yeah, when Nancy was okay, going out. And so Nancy's like, yeah, well, good news. You have all this money waiting for you in England, so you don't have to, <laughs> to do that. And then, oh, <laughs> the most important part. Before we can do any of this, we're getting snowed in because of the snowstorm. Um, so before okay. we can go to the boarding house or anything, because we do that 
on the last day of the trip. We actually never um, go to New York or anything like that. We're just, we're in River Heights and then we're at Emerson. We never go to Riverview or anything like that, Riverside. Riverfield. Riverfield. What it doesn't. <laughs> Whatever that town is where they think that they can Ridge, find it. Ridgefield. Ridgefield. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So they're snowed in and they were supposed to leave that afternoon and Nancy doesn't stay at the fraternity house. They're all at this hotel together with the Nickersons and Helen and Marion and everybody. And Nancy's like, well, what can we do tonight since we're all snowed in and everybody's supposed to leave town anyway? What can we do? Let's oh, have no. a masquerade party. And everyone says, great idea, Nancy. Let's do it. I was looking for an excuse to do blackface this weekend anyway. <laughs> Sorry, that was very high-pitched. I apologize to our listeners. No! So they have a party where everyone dresses in blackface, with the exception of uh... Marion and Nancy. Because um, Marion tells Nancy that her costume is going to be a quote-unquote Hindu princess. And Nancy says, great, I'll be your prince. So Nancy dresses up as a Hindu prince, as she calls herself, and then um, she wins the costume contest because everyone thought that she was so convincing. Ah! Yeah, the whole description of the party scene is very, very disgusting. Yeah, and then... um. Yeah, so then they go to the boarding houses and everything, and they find the real Nancy, and she um, tells her, like, hey, you've got this inheritance and everything. Come with us. You don't have to marry this guy. And it takes a little bit of convincing for her to actually believe them that Edgar is a bad guy, but then the police find Edgar, and Ira gets his name restored, and everything's fine. Yippee-doo-dah-day. Great. So he never, he, he never stole her letter. Nope, the letter never, never gets stolen. The only, yeah, there. I don't know how he could have found out about this. And even in mm. the revised, I'm, I, I, I'm just not convinced. I feel like that's a plot hole. I'm not convinced that that's <laughs> how he found out either, because he like runs away with this bag full of letters, and then within mm-hmm. what ten minutes, all the letters are strewn all over the side of the road when he's trying to right. make his getaway. Did he really have time to rifle through all of these letters, read them all? And then come up with this plan and, like, change gears of, like, I'm not going to try well, to go after the inheritance anymore. And I'm not sure I understand. I mean, like, he stole the he stole the mailbag. Mm-hmm. He And then later they, out they find the letter Nancy in the road. And, Nancy and Carson's. Mm-hmm. He takes the money out of Carson's letter. Destroys that or whatever. Yeah. And then opens Nancy's letter, reads it. He he doesn't go to Edgar's house until the following day, I thought. Or it's no. actually like multiple days later. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Because they made it yeah, seem like the Nancy... letter was in the road right away. No, you're right, you're right. Because he goes to the hospital and Nancy like visits him there the next, visits him there that day, but she also visits him the next day. That's true. Okay. No, you're right. And he then... would have had time to read it then. I think, yeah. But then, yeah. Because the original, it's not like I'm trying to defraud this other Nancy Drew because I know that she's got this inheritance coming because I happen to see Nancy Drew's mail. The only thing is he's mad at Ira for not sharing his inheritance, and he's Mm -hmm. just trying to make him look bad to his boss. And that's the whole thing. Like, I'm going to steal your mail so you get in trouble at work. What? And then he does. And it's also, it's not the mom's money. It's like some other relative from 
uh, from Ira's other side of the family that Edgar's not related okay. to. So Edgar has even less of a claim to the money, but he still <laughs> is like, I deserve half at least. And so I'm going to steal your mail to get you fired. And so you lose your pension. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's. Mm-hmm. And then in the process, I'm going to marry Nancy Smith Drew. So I also get her money. It's just like not enough. Like these criminals, these villains in these stories do not have enough motive to go to the links to which they do. Yeah. It's just, they're just criminals. This is, it, I mean, I do find this interesting, but it's just such a, a, a narrow view of criminality of, um, you know, criminals are criminal in just because they're criminals, you know, mm-hmm. they'd be shady because they's criminals. That's it. They do shady stuff. They're shady people. <sighs> okay. Um, I do want to call out cause I mentioned it at the very beginning. Um, in this revised text, um, their introduction of Bess and George is the worst I have ever seen, um, in any book. So they're in the car, right? And they describe Nancy as the attractive Titian blonde blue eyed girl. Um, and then Bess and George are also there. Um, her dark haired companion, George Fane. George was an attractive slender girl who kept her hair short and always wore tailored clothes. Her cousin, seated next to her, was blonde and slightly overweight. That's it. (laughs) Like, what? So it's like, George, who's beautiful, slender, has tailored clothes, keeps her hair neat. And her cousin, best blonde and overweight. Mm. Yep. Yep. so frustrating so and i was like man uh walter carrick has some explaining to do so does harry stratemeyer yeah for letting that letting that through i mean Mm. man so yeah so like sexist classist racist yeah like it just it has all the horrible hallmarks of you know all the worst parts of Nancy Drew. Yeah. Oh, and also, none of the good. Nancy's car is maroon in the original. I feel oh, yeah, lied I saw to. You snapped, snapped me that. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. And because Nancy's supposed to be sixteen, we learned Ned is a sophomore at Emerson. So what is that age difference? <gasps> is that no. like at least three years there? Because I at always least. thought that they were about the same age, maybe one Gross. year age difference. So that's at least a three year age difference right there. Gross. Gross, man. Yeah. Okay. Yuck. Yuck. Yuck, 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 yuck. Wow. All right. Anything else we want to say about this one? I never want to say anything about this book ever again or think about it ever again. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Great. Okay. Flashlight score. I wanted to give you a zero, but that's not possible. No. (laughs) One flashlight. You a one. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Hard one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Zero out of five. Do not recommend. Let's hope the next one is better. Do not recommend. Yeah. Because the next one we're going to get to read is number 14, The Whispering Statue. Ooh. Um, Thank you to our patrons who voted on that. It was three-way tie for a while, and I was sweating a little bit. (laughs) We were going to have to 
figure something out. But yeah, number 14. We were talking about how um, the title reminded us of Doctor Who. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess we'll see what that's about next time. Regular Drews. Yeah, join us then. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you like this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at regularnancydrew and Twitter at regularnd. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $3 level vote on upcoming episode topics and get exclusive access to our Scoop Sesh series. And all patrons receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there... Thanks for listening.